going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to yet another episode of Going West. That has like become my line. It I don't know why I always now. say that. Thank you so much, everybody. <laughs> I always emphasize the so as well. <laughs> um, also, thank you to Jamie for recommending today's case. Um, as you guys know, there's a lot of just really bizarre male disappearances and a lot of them happen in cars we've covered a ton of those this one i I would say kind of it somewhat fits into that category and i hadn't heard about it until jamie emailed us so thank you jamie um it's definitely a weird one so don't forget to share and uh, tell other people about going west if you love the show because it just means so much to heath and i yeah absolutely share the show with your friends and family leave us a review and yeah or just listen you know, or just listen. That yeah. works too. You can just do that. <laughs> so thank you for doing that today. Hope you're having a wonderful day and uh, let's talk. All right, guys, this is episode 226 of Going West. So let's get into it. In August of 2006, a 21-year-old man attended a party after relocating to Louisiana to connect with his biological father. Multiple reports came out from party attendants that said he had been acting paranoid and left suddenly. But the most eerie account of all came from his father, who was the last person to speak with him and remembers his son whispering into the phone that he was being followed. This is the story of Clinton Nelson. Clinton Devin Nelson was born on August 9th, 1985 in Nebraska to parents Carolyn Johnson and Jeff Mason. But Clinton had a pretty unique origin story. So his parents met in Bossier, Louisiana when they were teenagers. And for reference, Bossier is just across the Red River from Shreveport, Louisiana, tucked up in the northwest corner of the state, just over the border of Texas. So Carolyn returned to her home in Nebraska and found out that she was pregnant at 17. And at first, Jeff joined Carolyn back in Nebraska, and they tried to make it work for the sake of their newborn son. But as it happens, when their differences proved too vast, Jeff headed back to Louisiana and Carolyn committed to raising Clinton on her own. When her son was young, Carolyn met and married a military man, and he moved the three of them to Spearfish, South Dakota, which is in the Black Hills of South Dakota. And the Black Hills are a national park in a beautiful region of the state situated on Crow, Cheyenne, and Ocheti Shikoin uh, native land. And at the time they moved there, the town of Spearfish had just about 8,000 people who resided there full time, but the area is known for its rolling hills, unmatched natural beauty, and Spearfish Creek, which runs through town and into a waterfall. 
Carolyn's new husband actually legally adopted Clinton, and then he and Carolyn had a daughter of their own, giving Clinton a sister. Carolyn lovingly described her son as kind, caring, and compassionate, and said that he was the kind of person who would always stick up for the underdog. He loved hunting, fishing, and spending time outdoors, especially with his grandpa. And while Clinton was, by all accounts, a typical teenager, there was a part of him that always felt like it was missing something because he didn't have a relationship with his birth father. And due to this, he questioned his background and his purpose and struggled in high school. As a high school senior at the age of 17, Clinton started experimenting with drugs. At 18, he overdosed by accident after taking a lethal combination of medications and he was rushed to the hospital where he landed in the intensive care unit after he stopped breathing. Clinton's family hoped that this would be like the wake-up call that he needed, but unfortunately, his problems persisted. And shortly after his overdose, Clinton and some friends broke into their high school and stole items to make more money to purchase narcotics. In 2003, when Clinton was just 18 years old, he was arrested for the burglary and he also spent six months in prison for this. After his release, uh, Clinton decided that he needed this fresh start and he considered taking like this soul searching trip to find himself and connect with his dad in his rural Louisiana home. So it seemed that he learned a lot from this prison stint and he wanted to make a change and begin his official adult life with some direction. Carolyn, very protective of her son, especially given the struggles that he had endured recently, was worried about him finding his roots with his dad. And this makes sense. You know, Carolyn and Jeff have been split up at this point for a very long time. Jeff probably is not Carolyn's favorite person on the planet. So she had her reservations here. Sure. So she and Jeff had, you know, very different ideas of how Clinton should have been raised. And she just worried that Clinton could maybe go back to using drugs after being around his dad. But Clinton's mind was made up. So in March of 2006, 20-year-old Clinton prepared to make this trip down to rural Houghton, Louisiana, about 20 minutes east of Shreveport, where Jeff lived with his wife, Debbie, and her children. Now, Clinton's uncle, so Jeff's brother, owned an oil rig and offered Clinton a job so he could go to Louisiana, start making some money and and kind of, you know, like I said, start fresh. Right. So it's not just about him going down there and like finding his roots. Obviously, that's a huge part of it. But it's also, hey, I, I have some work down there as well. Yeah, there's like multiple benefits here. So as some of you probably know, these jobs are very demanding and they require long hours and physical labor. But if you're able to stick it out, they do pay pretty well with entry-level salaries ranging from about $50,000 up to about $80,000. So setting off with his dog in the front seat of his pickup, Carolyn remembers feeling like she would never see Clinton again. And tragically, she would turn out to be right. Clinton rolled into Houghton, a town of about 3,000 people, surrounded by lush Louisiana greenery, welcomed by his dad and stepmom into their trailer. It wasn't what he was used to, and Carolyn said that he definitely experienced some culture shock coming from, you know, this middle-class suburban home. But Clinton seemed relieved for the change of pace, and he loved being surrounded by so much extended family. And this is a lot of new family for him. Right. However... As Jeff and Clinton grew closer, 
Jeff's wife, Debbie, complained that she didn't love him sharing their small space. She lamented that she had told Clinton not to bring his dog, and he did anyway, and that all of them being in the home was just a bit overwhelming for the size. But as the family adjusted to the new member, Clinton started his new job on the oil rig. And you know, as we mentioned, these hours are extremely strenuous. So he was required to work for seven straight days of 12-hour shifts before he could have a day off. He told his mom later that six other people started at the job the same day that he did, and soon, he was one of the only ones left by the end of the first week. So this is one of those jobs where you really have to buy in because it is tough. Well, yeah, and that really goes to show you how tough it was that yeah. so many people left before the week was even done, because, I mean, that does sound super harsh. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. So he seemed proud of himself and the work that he was doing. And according to Carolyn, he was, quote, finding himself. And his addiction seemed to be behind him. But a bit of bad fortune started to unravel this new life that Clinton had built for himself. While on the job in the earlier days of working here, he was working below someone else, like physically below someone else, when a pipe wrench was dropped on him and he sustained broken ribs, a broken arm, and needed stitching or stitches. Stitchins in his collarbone. Stitches in his collarbone. That's that's a lot of injury from a from a wrench dropping on him. Well, yeah, this is a massive wrench. Yeah, so right, <laughs> but it, your dad works at a sawmill, and there's so many injuries there all the time. Oh yeah, it's kind of one of those jobs where I mean, a very similar yeah sawmill work is kind of similar in that way where it's very dangerous. A lot of things can happen. Yeah, super dangerous. So, but despite the setback, he did return to work as quickly as he was permitted to do so because he seemed very passionate about just getting the work done. He wasn't lazy about it. Obviously, he was one of the only ones to stick around after that first week. So he did care about coming back and he did just that. But things at home were pretty unstable. Like we said, the, you know, the close quarters of the house were really taking their toll on Debbie, who is Jeff's wife. And she and Clinton were clashing about everything. To give her a little bit of space, Clinton went and moved in with Debbie's daughter, Rachel. And Jeff was apparently also thinking about moving out. And he and Clinton had discussed getting an apartment together. So it doesn't seem things were going very great between Jeff and Debbie anyway. And this probably didn't help her feelings towards his son, you know, being there. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard enough to to have a child who was never around suddenly be moving into your place. You don't even know him. Mm -hmm. But then the fact that they're clearly having problems in their relationship just makes everything a mess. Exactly. And in another bout of bad luck, Clinton's truck had broken down and it was out of commission. And he and his mom decided that he was going to purchase her car and drive it down to Louisiana. But until then, he was borrowing his dad's car when he could. So on Thursday, August 31st, 2006, Clinton was headed to meet with his friend at his home in Princeton, another small community outside of Shreveport, Louisiana, which is just a 10 minute drive north of Houghton where Clinton was living. So this friend's house was very close by. Clinton met this new friend, Larry Gillespie, while helping out at his father's welding shop when he had first moved there. Clinton turned 21 just weeks earlier and his father Jeff assumed that he was going out with friends to celebrate. But Clinton didn't have a bank account, so Jeff kept all of his money in the safe. 
Jeff remembers him having around $1,200 in the safe and taking $600 with him that night. But the amount that we've seen varies. For example, one article wrote said that he had as much as $2,300 on him. So he either took half of his money out in cash or a fourth. Which either way is a lot of money. Yeah, it seems like a lot of money. Especially if you're just going to go out for your 21st birthday in you know, a small town, you probably don't need $600. I mean, maybe he's just trying to have a banger. I don't know. I guess. You know? <laughs> but it does make you wonder, and it will make us wonder later as well, what this money was for. Sure. Because he still was without a car, Jeff loaned Clinton his car, and Clinton set out for Larry's house for a party. Now, that night, Jeff was working just a mile away from Larry's house in Princeton, so he was also very close by. The next day... When Clinton hadn't returned home, Jeff stopped by Larry's house around 3 p.m. to check on him. He remembers Clinton peering through the blinds of the house as he approached, and then speaking to him only through a cracked door, which he found very odd, of course. But Jeff, just assuming that he was okay, left him there and headed to work for the evening. And I wonder... I wonder more so what their conversation was if Jeff left thinking everything was fine despite this odd behavior. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, that, I, it is very weird looking through the blinds and then only opening the crack or the door just a crack and talking to your dad like that. And then Jeff leaves and is like, everything seemed fine enough. Yeah, it's super weird. I'm sure as a father, you would find that very odd. Yeah, and, and he definitely did, but he left and he would just kind of assume that he would see him later. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Sure. So four hours after this happened, around 7 p.m., again, this is the day after Clinton had gone to Larry's house. So um, Debbie, who, remember, is Clinton's dad's wife, received Clinton's most recent paycheck at their trailer. And she called Clinton to just ask if he needed it that night. But he told her that they could cash it out together the following day when they went into town to run errands. So this kind of just shows us that Clinton was preparing on returning by the next day to, you know. Yeah, he had a paycheck waiting for him. Right. Um, And Debbie also asked Clinton if he needed a ride from Larry's that day because his dad had taken the truck. But Clinton said that he planned on getting a ride back with his dad when he headed back to Houghton from Princeton after his night shift at work that evening. So again, this is Clinton saying that night, the night after he got to Larry's house, so you know, maybe over 24 hours later, he plans on returning home and getting a ride from his dad. Three hours after this phone call, still at work, Jeff noticed police cars nearby heading in the direction of Larry's house. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. 
Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Do you want to earn cash back while you shop? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out Rakuten, especially because this week, May 6th through May 13th, Rakuten is having their biggest cash back event of the year with 15% cash back at hundreds of stores. Rakuten is the shopping platform to use so that you can save big while you shop. They're partnered with over 3,500 stores across all categories, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, travel, dining, and so many others. Some of our personal favorite participating stores are Ray-Ban, Hydro Flask, Clinique Online, and Verbo, just to name a few. There are so many big stores and brands that you're already buying from. But don't miss this major deal. It's a limited time only with eight days of these high cashback rates, so you can save more than usual. Membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you can get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Around 10 p.m., he called his son to just make sure everything was okay, but Clinton sounded disturbed and scared. So this was a little bit after... You know, he heard the sirens and saw the police cars going by is when he called Clinton and Clinton doesn't seem to be doing okay. And he actually spent the phone call Clinton did whispering and told his dad, Jeff, that the police were after him. Then the line went dead. Jeff finished up work and drove home at 3 a.m. only to find that No one else in the family had seen or heard from Clinton, and he wasn't answering his phone. Early the next morning, so, you know, hours later, since this was at 3 a.m., Debbie and Jeff drove back over to Larry's house looking for him. But Larry and his girlfriend were the only ones home, and they said that they hadn't seen Clinton. Larry's girlfriend gave Jeff a bag of Clinton's belongings that, you know, he had brought with him on Thursday, days earlier, And told them that no one had seen him since the night before. And according to this couple, Larry and his girlfriend, Clinton had stepped out of the house the night before at 8.30 p.m. to smoke a cigarette and never came back. So let's kind of talk about this because I know we're throwing a lot of days and times at you guys. So again, uh, Jeff talked to his son Clinton at about 10 p.m., and that's when Clinton was whispering into the phone and saying the police were after him and sounding disturbed and scared. Right. But here's Larry and the girlfriend saying they hadn't seen him since 8.30 p.m., so an hour and a half earlier when he went outside to smoke a cigarette and never came back. And that's really weird because this would have been before the, the police started driving in the direction of Larry's house. Again, it's not like he saw them go up to Larry's house. It was just going in that direction, you know, around 10 p.m. So this is an hour and a half before that and an hour and a half before he had this conversation with his dad on the phone. Yeah, and we also have to remember this is also a very small town mm-hmm. of not very many people. What did you say, like 3,000 people? Yeah. So if somebody, if, you know, you see a police car headed in one direction, um, it makes you think a little bit more than if, like, I saw a police car driving somewhere in L.A., Right. But that's what's so weird is that 
is that they say they last saw him at 8.30 and this phone call took place at 10. Yeah. So where was he for that hour and a half if their timing is even correct or are they even telling or, the truth? Right, is somebody lying here? Right, which is why, I mean, this this is so confusing. And then we have to go back to um, when Jeff had stopped by Larry's house and Clinton was peering through the blinds and then speaking to him through a cracked door. Like, it just makes you wonder what was going on in the house. Were they doing something sketchy? Was... Was he hungover? Maybe he was just simply hungover. Was he on drugs? Like, it, there's so many possibilities that could, you know, go hand in hand with this weird phone call that happened. Right, but Jeff knows that this situation is sketchy. But I'm I'm really curious if Jeff called Clinton at 10 p.m. You know, during the time in which Clinton was whispering on the phone, why was that not an alarm enough to maybe get over to? Uh, Larry's house after you got off work that right. night. You know? Yeah, I agree. And it, this is something that really frustrates Clinton's mom, Carolyn, to this day, which we'll get into in a little bit. Sure. And I'm not trying to blame Jeff because I'm oh, no, sure I know. he got off work pretty late. So he probably was just like, I want to go home and sleep it off. But. Yeah. Yeah. But it is it is kind of weird because obviously if even Jeff is saying he sounded scared and that he was, you know, who knows where it's concerning. Yeah. Worried that the police were after him and he was whispering into the phone, which is really, really alarming. It, it just makes you wonder what Jeff thought in that moment, if he tried to help. But again, he was at work, like you said. Um, but then we have to go back as well. So again, this call was at 10. Uh, Larry and his girlfriend are claiming they last saw him at 8.30 p.m. smoking a cigarette outside, and then he just went missing. He just vanished. But a an hour and a half before that, at 7 p.m., is when Debbie called Clinton to say, hey, do you want your paycheck? And Clinton it sounds totally normal and is saying, oh, no, well, you know, we'll cash it tomorrow when we go to town to run errands, and um, Dad's going to pick me up tonight. So it's... But all this timing is so weird. Erratic like, behavior because before that, so if he's talking normal to Debbie on the phone about his paycheck, but before that, earlier in the day, he's talking to his dad through a cracked door and yeah. appears very odd. So it's like going back and forth here. Yeah, it's really weird. And sorry, guys, I'm really not trying to jump around here, but it's hard not to because there's so many, so many times in this story. But it is really weird, yeah, that this day it seems so many different weird things happen but also normal things happened and it's very complicated but we're going to talk about it a little bit more so by the following day sunday september 3rd 2006 so almost three days after clinton went to larry's house still with no sign of clinton jeff and debbie were officially worried Jeff called Clinton's mother, Carolyn, and asked if she had heard from him, explaining that no one had seen him in over 48 hours. Panicked, and from 1,300 miles away, or 2,100 kilometers, Carolyn urged him to go to the police. So Jeff and Debbie attempted to report him missing, but being that it was a Labor Day weekend, Police told them to wait until after the holiday, assuming that Clinton had just run off on his own accord and would be back when the weekend was over. I do understand this in the way that Clinton is 21 years old and could definitely be having a fun Labor Day weekend with people. But the strange circumstances surrounding his disappearance, like him just disappearing off someone's porch and whispering while afraid on the phone, should have been enough to raise some flags for police. I think so. You know, I would assume so. But also, 
you know, going, going back to like the Labor Day weekend thing, it was also like his birthday around that same time. He was turning 21, so. But his, he turned 21 a month earlier. I know, but still, I mean, maybe. They were, they were supposedly celebrating. Sure. Yeah. So Tuesday, the day after Labor Day, Clinton was due to start a new assignment on his uncle's own oil rig. Although they had yet to hear from him, his family hoped that Clinton, anxious to start his new position, would come through and show up, especially since he had been doing well at work and seemed to care about working hard. But when he didn't show, his mom Carolyn called the police station herself, attempting to file a missing persons report, but they wouldn't allow her to do so because she was out of state. So on Wednesday, September 6th, nearly a week after Clinton was last seen, Jeff finally submitted a report for his missing son. Jeff had kept this from Carolyn, but on August 2nd, 2006, just a week before his 21st birthday, Clinton was arrested for possession of narcotics. He was a passenger in a vehicle that got stopped for a, a routine traffic violation and appearing nervous to the officer was searched and found in possession of Xanax, marijuana, ecstasy, and drug paraphernalia. And he was arrested and issued a court date to answer to the charges. When he was questioned by Jeff and Debbie, Clinton swore that the drugs were not his and that he hadn't been using again. And so they gave him the benefit of the doubt. That they did, but much to Carolyn's dismay, they kept it from her so as not to worry her just in case. And Carolyn said later, quote, If I'd known Clinton was in any trouble, I would have done anything I would have had to have done to keep him safe, even if that meant protecting him from himself. Clinton was actually still on probation for his prior conviction, so when he received a court date to answer for the drug charges, a warrant was issued for his arrest, but by this point, he was already gone. So this makes you wonder if the police had arrived to Larry's house for Clinton, or possibly other reasons, and Clinton went running. But I also don't think that he would have run forever, because although I don't know the exact time that he would have had to have served, it wouldn't have been that long. It's not like he was wanted for murder. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Which is part of why this case is so complex because his family doesn't believe that he would have run from something like this as I'm about to get into. So police came to both Larry's house and Jeff's house to pursue his arrest warrant, but found no trace of him. So naturally they wondered if he left on his own volition because of this charge, but his family is sure that he would not do that. According to his mom, quote, Clinton was always taught to take responsibility for his actions. Even if Clinton got scared and ran, his sister, his familiar relationships are so important to him, he would not be able to just walk away. Debbie added that he would have likely taken his last paycheck and the remaining money from his dad's safe, you know, that, that was his own money, with him. Yeah, why would you not? If you're going to go on the run, you're going to need some money. Well, right, because that would be so important, especially he's newer to Louisiana. He doesn't know anybody except for, well, I mean, obviously he has his coworkers and he has his family there, but he's still newer to the area. And it, it seems silly to run from this type of charge, you know, and just start a new life for, yeah. for just a drug possession charge. Yeah, especially if you're gone forever. Right. And also, I don't mean just 
uh, drug possession charge because obviously he had already spent time in prison. And if he was telling the truth that these drugs were not his, which we can't confirm or deny, um, that would make it even worse for him, you know, because he would have to probably serve time for something that he didn't do. But um, again, that's why this case is so complicated. But something else aside from the recent trouble with the law had been weighing on him. He was about to become a father. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Sometimes Daphne and I are doing research for going west, and we subscribe to different newspapers from all around the country, and then we forget to unsubscribe. But that's exactly why we love Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. You'll be able to see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't like, Rocket Money can help you cancel it in just a few taps. It is seriously that easy. And that's why Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash going west. That's rocketmoney.com slash going west. Rocketmoney.com slash going west. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shortly after Clinton moved down to Louisiana, Carolyn received a call from a woman in South Dakota whom Clinton had been dating before he left for Louisiana. She claimed that she wasn't sure if it was Clinton's baby or not, but that she was pregnant. Clinton and his mom were initially surprised, and Carolyn even admitted that she was concerned for him, as she knew what it was like to be young and a single parent. But she claims that Clinton came around and was actually excited at the prospect, and that he would have been a great dad. Police tried to establish a timeline for Clinton's last evening and a list of attendants to the party at Larry's house. Now, Larry and his girlfriend initially told Jeff and Debbie when they came looking for Clinton that it was just the three of them at Larry's home on that Thursday night. But when police began conducting interviews and asking around, they found that more people had been in attendance. And it just makes you wonder why they would lie about this and if they're lying about anything else. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to lie once, what else are you lying about, I guess? Exactly. So Larry's house was apparently known for drug activity, particularly methamphetamines. So police theorized that Clinton was using drugs again. In fact, in 2011, so five years after Clinton disappeared, Larry and another friend were arrested for cooking and distributing meth from Larry's home. Clinton was also the youngest partygoer by multiple years. Larry himself was 10 years older than Clinton was, so it seemed kind of strange that he had been there at all. Carolyn still resents Jeff for not stepping in and taking care of Clinton on the last day that he saw him, saying, quote, It makes me furious. Jeff had the opportunity to do the right thing that night. He had the opportunity to be a father, and Clinton wanted that. Clinton wanted him to be a father. Fellow partygoers remember Clinton acting paranoid and peering out the window over the course of the evening. The area around Larry's home was heavily wooded, so if he had taken off by himself under the influence of meth or some other drug, total speculation, it's highly likely that he may have injured or incapacitated himself by accident. Investigators checked police records that night, and the Bossier Police Department did respond to a 911 call of a suspicious person in the area, about one mile from Larry's house, at 4.30 a.m. the morning after Clinton was last seen. So this would have technically been Saturday morning, because he was last seen on a Friday, and he had arrived to Larry's on Thursday. Yes. So... Also, another thing is this is really interesting to me because was this suspicious or could this suspicious person have been Clinton or was there someone weird in the area and that could help describe why Clinton is still missing to this day? Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you don't have uh, a very detailed description of a person wandering around that neighborhood. Yeah, I'd like to know what like I'd like to know more details about this suspicious person. Yeah, same. I'm sure we all would. So um, 
The police have stated that while there is no probable cause for foul play, the circumstances surrounding this party are very suspicious. On top of that, likely wanting to stay out of trouble, Larry initially declined to be interviewed by police, making it difficult for detectives to piece together a realistic timeline of events. But two weeks after Clinton's disappearance, Larry did finally agree to speak to detectives on the record. Larry claimed he knew nothing about the disappearance, but confirmed that he had drugs on his property that night. Police then issued a warrant for Larry's arrest, as well as a search warrant for his property. But even with the help of cadaver dogs, the search turned up nothing. Now, again, this is a couple weeks later, so it's possible that that is why nothing came up. But ah, it's tough. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, it appears that it just wasn't handled very very intensely from the get-go. Right. Well, you know? of course, we know that he wasn't even officially reported missing for six days just because right. police really just wouldn't even let them. Yeah. So back in South Dakota, Carolyn was understandably in anguish. But one bright spot remained. Clinton's former girlfriend had her baby, a little boy named Austin. The baby was born just six weeks after Clinton's disappearance. Carolyn was able to meet baby Austin just a day after he was released from the hospital, and she brought with her pictures of Clinton as a baby and remembers feeling extremely overwhelmed at the resemblance. The ex-girlfriend seemed convinced at this point that Clinton was not the father, but submitted a paternity test to be safe. While waiting for the results of the paternity test, Carolyn headed down to Louisiana for the first time since her son's disappearance to conduct a massive search and confront the people who may have been involved in his disappearance. But the heat of the late summer and the thick brush surrounding Larry's property made it exceedingly difficult to search for him. They were also not permitted to search on Larry's property, but Larry did agree to meet with Carolyn personally so that she could question him directly. And Carolyn remembers Larry hugging her and seeming upset at the circumstances and even asking her, quote, why would I hurt my friend? This is weird to me because, I don't know, I, obviously people lie all the time, but to, to kind of bring that question upon yourself, like, well, why would I hurt my friend? It's, it's almost like you're trying, you're using that as a tactic to convince her that you wouldn't do that. Yeah, that you're a good guy. Because why would I? Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, it can so easily be believed. However, he also said some things that made her wonder if he was, in fact, involved in Clinton's disappearance. According to Carolyn, quote, Larry thought Clinton was dead in a ditch somewhere with $600 in his pocket. She found this morbid and very suspicious that he mentioned the same amount of money that Jeff claimed Clinton had in his pocket at the time of his disappearance. Yeah, obviously this seems very sketchy. How do you know he's got $600 in his pocket? Yeah, and, and that's exactly what Carolyn wondered. Like, how did he know? And it also gave her the idea that maybe a robbery occurred and rumors swirled around the small community and many locals were suspicious of a drug-fueled robbery gone wrong and the cover-up of an accidental death police conducted dozens of interviews but unfortunately party attendants were unreliable because of the heavy drug use on that night 
Police also interviewed family members, friends, and locals, and conducted some polygraph tests. And Larry even consented to a polygraph test, but the results were inconclusive. For a year after Clinton disappeared, sightings and tips came in, but nothing that located his whereabouts. On a later visit of Carolyn's down to Louisiana, Clinton's uncle brought her the emergency report from his injury shortly before he went missing, and the report found that he had still had heart trouble from his overdose that doctors wanted to further investigate. His health trouble may have made him more vulnerable that night that he went missing. He may have overdosed, or maybe his heart stopped, and other party attendees panicked and disposed of his body. Which, I mean, this seems like it could have been a, a very likely scenario. Oh, I totally agree. So one rumor circulated that Clinton had fallen and hit his head on a table, and that he was fed to alligators in a nearby swamp. God, that's just such a brutal rumor. Yeah, it is, it is. But I, where did that stem from? Yeah, where did it come from? So Carolyn remembers Larry telling her that when they met up, that he knew it was the state law in Louisiana that you can be charged for murder if you supply someone with the drugs that they use to overdose. So the you know the mention of this definitely made her wonder if that's what happened. Well, yeah, that's like quite the thing to bring up to the mom of a, a missing young man. Yeah, being like, oh, I know that the state law says that if I supplied the drugs to this guy who overdosed, like, I could be charged with murder. And it's like, that is already being speculated, so what a weird thing to bring up. Weird thing to say. So, Clinton's family still believes Larry knows more than he's telling, and they have publicly stated that they believe Clinton is dead. Because a number of tips led police to believe that he may have been disposed of in a body of water, and because there's a one-acre pond just east of Larry's property, police organized a search of the lake, just wondering if there could be remains found discarded in the water. But 27 divers combed the pond for two days, and they turned up nothing. So it's safe to say that he was not in that pond. Right, or at least not in that one. But, you know, as we know, Louisiana is quite quite the swampy place. And this seems like a very rural place as well. Absolutely. Carolyn said, quote, For me, it's never been about somebody being held accountable. It's never been about somebody getting in trouble. It's always been about doing the right thing for my son. It's hard to lose a child and not be able to bury him. Despite billboards, missing posters, and a $25,000 reward, they don't seem to be any closer to finding Clinton now than they were 16 years ago when he initially went missing. But in 2008, so two years after Clinton went missing, the family did receive some good news. DNA tests confirmed that baby Austin was Clinton's son. Carolyn has joyfully stepped into her role as a grandma and said that Austin often speaks about his dad, which is so sad because it, and obviously it's it's great that the family gets to have this baby and this new life in, in their or this new life in their life, especially without Clinton. But it's also so sad knowing that Clinton came to accept the fact that a child was coming into the world and it was likely his and he was going to step into that role. Yeah, he was he was prepared to be a father. I mean I just It feels so sad, the circumstances of everything, and it almost feels like this strange butterfly effect that had he not moved down to Louisiana, he probably would have known his son Austin, and I'm sure they would have had a great relationship. Yeah, absolutely. 
But just the existence of Austin really does seem to have helped Carolyn. And she said about this, quote, He's what helped me keep going, to keep pushing. Five years after Clinton's disappearance, on what would have been his 26th birthday, they held a candlelight vigil in his memory across from Larry's property and are still hoping that someone will do the right thing and come forward if they have any information. Clinton Nelson was last seen around 8.30 p.m., on September 1st, 2006, in the 800 block of Ward Lane and Highway 80 in Princeton, Louisiana. Clinton was just 21 years old, 6'1", about 160 pounds, and had blue eyes and dirty blonde to light brown hair. At the time of his disappearance, he was wearing a black Echo brand t-shirt, blue jeans, a black knit cap, red and white DC brand sneakers with red trim, a black leather belt, and white ankle socks with gray bottoms. He was carrying a wallet with a large amount of cash in it, and while there was no phone activity after the call to his dad around 10 p.m., he did have a flip phone with him. Anyone with any information regarding his disappearance is urged to call the Bossier Parish Sheriff's Office at 318 318- 965-2203 or Bozier Crime Stoppers at 318-424-4100. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Tuesday, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. What a weird story. I really do think that Larry knows more than he's leading on. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that there was a lot of drug use in that house... It seemed like there was some really sketchy things. And then all these rumors are out there. It's like, who do you believe? Who do you trust? I know. And it's so weird just thinking back to the fact that he was peering through the windows or through the blinds. And then he opened the door a crack for his dad. But then he was normal on the phone with Debbie. And then he was like in the woods, likely on the phone with his dad at 10 p.m. Disturbed and scared, saying that the police were after him. Like, that is really weird to me. But I'm like... If the last known moments of his were on the phone with his dad talking about the police, it still doesn't lead me to believe that he went off and started a new life when he had a son, a loving family, and a smaller, a somewhat smaller charge in front of him. And obviously when he went missing, he didn't know it was his son and uh, Austin wasn't born for another six weeks, but he would have learned that if he was still alive after that. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, sure, and, sure. Right. And he was assuming that he was the father of Austin in the first place. Right. Yeah. And I think just like the comments that Larry made to Carolyn really just rubbed me the wrong way. And totally. the fact that he lied saying that, oh yeah, it was just the three of us there at, our, at, at my house that night, but really there was a bunch of other people there. It's just too sketchy. Totally agree. I just feel like something unfortunate happened and they potentially covered it up. And that's really, really sad, especially because clearly his mom and just his family care so much about what happened to him and knowing where he is. And they already don't think he's alive and believe that he died that night. So, you know, they they deserve some closure. So please share this story. And thank you guys so much for listening. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger. Don't be a stranger.